We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago the nightmare continues. Chicago Tribune sports page. Really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum. You know him? Never heard the Never name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. Well, when's he coming back? I said, you want to come back? And it was an emphatic, no. We're glad he misses us. Sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Jordan Burnfield, who's sitting in for Wayne Randazzo, who's sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk. It's Matt Spiegel. This is funny. Because we're trying so hard to make this funny, and it's not funny. They suck, so you don't have to. Baseball is full of suck right now. For some reason, they sing. Well, the duck duck here and the quack quack there, right? Take the last train to Turdsville, and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They won't stop singing. Lito. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid, and it is really flowing. What percentage is five bucks uh, on a hundred? They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Messmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so badly. The three words that best describe this show are as follows. And I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Rosenblum and Spiegel on WSCR, 670 The Score. We should be 670 WSUK. I don't know, I was waiting for James Dean. I was waiting for the Eagles to spawn. That guitar room. Show already sucks. Yeah, well, nothing says Saturday suckage like a bone opener. Hi. <laughs> there it is. Why don't I hear that as loud as I hear Russ Matera and Wayne Messmer? I don't know. Oh, we need we need Eminem. Look who's back. Shady's back. back. It's a reunion of the original Wake and Bake show. Mark Grody's here. Hi, Mark Grody. I'm Slim Shady. I'm the real Shady. All you other Slim Shadies are just imitating. Yes. What is happening, Stevie Rosenblum? It is a blast to be back with you, and it's a good day to be on the radio because we have Cubs and White Sox, a rematch, or do you say rematch, of the John Lester Lucas Giolito game, which went down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Which was a Cubs win in that split series at Wrigley Field back on June 19th, where John Lester outdueled Lucas Giolito. Lester wasn't you. great. Lester wasn't great that day. No, but he wasn't Giolito with six earned runs and four Ooh, and a third inning. Wilson Contreras, a couple HRs against him. David Bote, who has been struggling mightily lately for the Cubs. Um, I do believe 
smashed one off of said Giolito as well. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, what time is that game going down? 6.15, I think, here on 6.70, the score? Yes, yes, it is. Sweet. Zach Zayman then would have, doing the math, 5.40 would be the pregame, 35 right. minutes before every game. You pick up your pre, pregame show will be at 2 o'clock inside the clubhouse. we got a whole bunch of switching and changing going on. Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel will be live from Guaranteed Rate Field at 2 o'clock when the radio station could finally start uh-huh. once we get off the air. And they will take you right up to Zach Zabin's pregame show, which will take you right up to the Cubs broadcast of Pat and Ron and Zach. Zackling in the background. <laughs> did, you, were you, did you cackle much when you were Zach? Not as much as Zach. There were definitely funny moments in which, like, Miska and I, Miska, we would, we would laugh <laughs> at what Pat was saying. I don't know if Pat ever hears the, the Zackling, though, because, you know, Pat is a little bit hard of hearing. So, like, because, and I always say I don't see be, how he misses it. That, yeah. <laughs> GP, good point. Um, but I, I never hear them react to the, to the laughing. But uh, it's become a very good bit. Up in the booth of Cubs Radio, it is. So there's there's Zachary, and um, and he will be setting up Pat and Ron for, you know, Gilito had a two point two two ERA leading up to that Cubs start, and since then he's been good. Two point five three ERA, two games since that start. That was his worst start of the year. So now we have the like I said, sports writers root for stories. Now we have the redemption story. Cubs ownership story. Lucas Giolito, what did he learn? What did James McCann learn? What are they going to do? What can he, how does he change the approach as the Cubs destroyed him and all that he had done to become an all-star? And does this bolster his bid to be an all-star starter in the American <laughs> League? Yeah. This is the one. This is the game. For... Why am I breaking into Pharrell on the bench? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to meet a man when you hit a man. How's that, boss? <laughs> um... Yeah, well, and the, the, the good part for Lucas Giolito is because you knew it was coming. He had been just so dominant heading into that Cubs game, and Sox fans knew that eventually there would be a game where he was not spectacular uh, because that's just the way it works. And indeed, in his four and a third innings against the Cubs, he was not spectacular. The really impressive part for Giolito is that he did have good starts, a good, decent to good starts against Boston and Minnesota, two quality teams to follow that up. Yes. So, and no, you're right. I mean, this is going to be a big challenge for Giolito. We'll see how his ability Giolito. to adjust. Whoa, 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 whoa. You love that, don't you? Whoa, whoa, I do. I'm big so, Boss Gags. Yeah, Boss Gags. That's what he does. There it is. Yep. Okay. So, you help me with this. You, you were around Theo Epstein quite a bit as you're in your time on the Cubs, in the Cubs booth. And what he said this week on the McNeil and Parkins show, the interview was, technically the interview was excellent. I think McNeil and Parkins did an excellent job of interviewing in that all you young broadcast, aspiring broadcasters at home, your questions should be short, neutral, and open-ended. And they were. McNeil and Parkins were asking those kind of questions and letting the subject talk. And the more he talked, the more I thought, this is just a bunch of hot air coming from a guy who I think is one of the smartest people ever to be in baseball. And here's why. He's talking about, we just haven't gotten production here. We haven't gotten production there. Second base is really bad. Guys who are supposed to be producing aren't producing. 
Let's go back to that October therapy session for 71 minutes that he held after the season. At some point, and this has been greatly underplayed, he, has, he had said, we're at a point, or he indicated, we're at a point, we have to start, start valuing production over projection. And we all knew what he was talking about. It's great. Because yeah. you're looking at what Schwarber could be, Babe Schwarber, what Almora should be, what all of these young talents should be, and that they should be better at 25 than they were at 23. You should see an arc. Well, for the guy who said we need to value production over projection, he's still stressing projection instead of production. What are you getting? Daniel Descalso should not be on this roster. He's the worst player on the Cubs right now. You have a bunch of guys who are not producing. It's, you've already made the decision that you need to move into valuating strictly on production, not projection, so why haven't you made any moves? You're the guy, Theo. The, the interview sounded really good. There were a lot of... But he's wagging the big verbal finger. He's not doing anything. He did say, though, that if this continues... Oh, okay, yeah. There you will be changes. Good. You're gonna, I'm going to put you to bed early. No, no I think... I, no, he meant that he would trade them, didn't he? Yeah, but why do you have to... You said that in October. They're not producing. You don't need to say anything. You make a trade... That tells everybody. That tells everybody you don't produce. You're not so this should, you're saying this should have been done before they were, what, three games over five, four games over 500 right now? Well, he still seems to be leaning on the side of projecting who's supposed to be good. I thought we were past that in October and that that would now be the barometer. And, and he seemed to backtrack. He, seemed, he just sounded like a lot of hot air. And I want to see action. Every Cub fan wants to see action. There's a lot of frustration outside that. I know there's frustration in the clubhouse, the manager's office, the front office, everything at, at Clark and Addison. Understandably, for the people who are very invested in this, you make a statement by moving one of, one of the players you apparently are expecting to produce but, not, but is not producing. That's how you make a statement. You don't just come on the score and... Sound like a bunch of hot air to me. Yeah. And what, am I missing something? You've been around him. You, you explain to me what I'm missing. Well, I will say that he is the – I don't think you're – I think you're right. I think you're right. He, he did say what he said in the offseason, and perhaps those changes should have been made by now. He did – like I said, he did say that changes could be forthcoming if this continues. So we'll see – I mean – now we have to hold him to that. Now we have to see if, if this does continue. Whatever that means, he didn't give a, an exact definition of what, if this continues, what the, like if they're, what, 500, if they're out of first place, because they're still, what, half game out of first place now. So now you hold him to that. The other part is where I agree with you. His free agent crop from last year is still a, a major negative effect on this Cubs team this year. Yu mm-hmm. Darvish has been better. Why? Because he's existing and he is, he's not injured. He's giving the team innings. But that's still a negative this year. Um, Tyler Chatwood, despite having found a home in the bullpen and occasional <laughs> starts, he has still not been good. And I don't care what anybody says. You, you don't, when it gets real and it's 
it, we're getting close to that time where it's really real. I'm not putting Tyler Chatwood in in the seventh inning of a one-run ball game. It's not happening, and I don't think it would happen, honestly, because I've seen the way Joe Madden operates. He'll play around with stuff in the first half of the season. You know what I mean? He'll put Chris Coughlin at third base in a game. He'll do wacky. He'll put Pedro Strope in the outfield, but then it becomes winning time for Joe Madden. Like, if you watch the way he manages, he does the weird outside-of-the-box things early in the season. He will allow certain pitchers, relievers to go out there in certain spots, and it's sort of like very experimental in the first half, and then he stops messing around come the second half of the season, but those two guys, Chatwood and Darvish, still a negative effect on the Cubs. Brandon Morrow, a huge negative effect on the Cubs by, again, not being existent. You're right about Daniel Descalso, and I think that Theo Epstein took a shot at himself by saying something to the effect of paraphrasing, this is one of the worst benches that the Cubs have ever had. Mm -hmm. And the great teams in baseball this year, we'll just use the Dodgers in this example, they are deep as any team I've ever seen um, in the recent era. They have 10 Cody Bellingers. Unbelievable. (laughs) They're they got a line of shortstops. I mean, they they have crazy good, legitimate, you-can-do-Sunday lineups every day if you want, um, depth, which the Cubs are, are lacking right now. So I will say, yeah, it's been, you know what? It's been a bad year and a half for Theo Epstein. The one thing about Theo Epstein, and this is another reason I don't want him to be a bunch of hot air, which is what I heard on the score, is that he rallies like nobody else in the middle of a season when he makes trades. He, Cole Hamels, what he did last year is, is an example. He rallies really well. Some of them are people you don't want to see. I, you, don't, you don't want to be around the, the whole Araldus Chapman thing and the baggage he brings, Daniel Murphy, the baggage he brings. That, but... They were the kind of guys, the kind of moves that needed to be made. Cole Hamels was the kind of move that needed to be made. Theo rallies that way. That's another reason I don't want to hear him talk. I just want to wait till he acts. I mean, this was the guy who traded Nomar. He suckered the Cubs into taking Nomar, Garcia Parra. And what he did was he set his team up to win the World Series. Talk does satiate, I think, a certain degree of people, though, because Joe Madden simply isn't going to be real about his team. He's just not. This is not what he does. I mean, he puts out the positive vibes, even in the worst circumstances. He's going to find a way to to have fun with. Right, it. You understand. know what I mean? Like when he's, it's going to be Mr. Happy. When the Cubs had two guys thrown out on the bases a couple of weeks ago, I think it was Wilson Contreras and Javier Baez <laughs> yes. on that on the missed. Uh, bunt attempt by uh, Alzali. By Alzali, Joe Madden afterwards just kind of smiles. Oh yeah, that was the trifecta right there. Like everybody at that point, okay, I want to hear how you, how you explain this one. And he kind of had fun with it. But you at least have this is the good part about Theo Epstein this year. Um, you at least have one guy in the organization who is not afraid to speak truth. I know that Theo Epstein finds it extremely important to talk on the radio and to be public when things are going negatively. And transparent when and, he does. And, and, he, and he, he does. You're right. There hasn't, been, there hasn't been action. Um, you know, what happened last year happened where you blow a five-game lead in September, lose game 163, lose your wild card game. That was sort of a warning uh, shot to everybody that, okay, it ain't going to be as easy as it once was. And for the most part, nothing has changed going into this season. 
Well, you change coaches. You, the, the urgency got really stressed. In terms of the he play put, is what I mean. But he put the, put the emphasis on the urgency of a great start, getting out of it, not giving away that third game of a series or whatever. And you saw this team not respond horribly to that first road trip. Well, here's urgency. Get out real quickly. Wow, they melted. Here's a they six-game just, losing streak. They just wilted this team, that <laughs> yeah. the core of which won a World Series, yeah. under some dire circumstances. And, and they couldn't even start a season right. So you saw Theo say that, and it came back to – you saw this team wilt, that lineup. Then they rallied. They got better. But you, you saw them change coaches. They can't hit with runners in scoring position, no matter who the coach they're, – they're 24th in the major league in the major leagues with run, hitting with runners in scoring position, this lineup. And you know what's really troubling when you brought up Madden and Mr. Happy and Mr. Positive and he spins it? Two, three, four hitters. Two, three, two, three four, five hitters. So you're, you're dealing with Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Contreras. All of them within a two or three week span failed to respect 90. Yes. So you add lazy yes. baseball to bad and stupid as what the Cubs are doing. Only a half game out by the time this, this whole thing, you know, we got to this weekend, and, and you looked, or a game out now, but you looked at that, and, and the manager who said, I, I got one rule, respect 90, and your two, three, four, five hitters didn't respect 90, and you did nothing about it. So what's the message there? Bad. Well, and, and here's another thing to pile on a little bit. I think the number was, and this was, this was a week ago, the Cubs have been thrown out on the bases 37 times, and I'm not including attempted steals. I'm talking about This is just stretching. Tootland. Yeah, like Rizzo had a couple of... those of you who don't know, the acronym for Tootland is thrown out on the bases like a Nimrod. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, Tootland. Um, okay, Tootland. Um, Anthony Rizzo had a couple of... Gaffs, and I will say that those were attempts to get to you know third base. Jason Hayward recently picked off of first first oh. base. Yeah, it's been highly uncharacteristic of this team. Unfortunately, those are things that stereotypically fall on a manager's lap because they're mental gaffs, right? I mean, they're things that that a manager must instill in its team in terms of paying attention, in terms of maybe looking at the scenario and not taking the extra base in a certain situation. But then again, there's the other side where Joe Madden, one of his mantras, has always been, I do not want to take the aggressiveness out of my players. That if a guy gets thrown out trying to get to third base, I'm cool with that. I don't blame the manager at all for that. That's on the players. They should be smarter. They are smarter. We've seen them be smarter than that. This regression that we've seen in so many areas for this Cubs team makes no sense. I understand Theo's frustration that what we heard and felt in that interview, I understand all that. Like, how could this be happening? Why aren't guys who are older and have won already doing things this stupid? Is it mental preparation? Dave game preparation's always been on the players. Are they not ready to play? Have they not through all this thought through all the situations? Are they not preparing the way professionals need to prepare? Are they not as sharp as they were before they'd won a World Series? And now, hey, yeah, we're the Cubs. Hey, yeah. Does this all still go back to, to 2016 and the, the, the magnitude of what the, the core of players that still exist on this team 
accomplished, not just that they won a World Series, but everything that went with it. The first World Series win since 1908. Um, is there something like permanent in the back of their minds that they already accomplished what legacy they set out to do? Legacy is written, mm-hmm. like almost a subliminal lack of emotion, like very peripheral. Um, you know that they did, and, and and it's not just that. Like, because any team is going to have a little bit of, they're they're going to have a little bit of satisfaction with having won a World Series. But the magnitude of that, of what they did, I don't think is something that any of us can understand because we try to describe it as broadcasters. I think from a player perspective, it has to just be massive inside of them. Another word for urgency is hunger, and you can't measure that. Yeah, but Theo knows it when he sees it, and when he doesn't. And whatever judgments he's made, he did not see urgency last year. Well, Wilson Contreras admitted he didn't have urgency last year. Right. So I think that in that area, you're right. Whatever that's mental, emotional, those are failures by the Cubs players. I'm putting it – it's squarely on them. I don't care if you got a mental skills coach, if you got a, a manager who's a master psychologist as well as a showman, and you have one of the smartest men ever in baseball as your team president – it's on the players to prepare every day. That's always been the player's responsibility. And when I hear urgency, I think of hunger, and I think you could be right. Maybe they're just fat and happy with, hey, we did this. We'll just show up, and we'll be close, and whatever. And then they're not that Cubs team that you could rely on the way you did in 15. Oh. So I'm coming. 16, they actually did it. 17, you expected it. Oh, wow. 18. Wait, they did what last year? Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. There's a happier story on the other side of town. They're getting better. They're, they're the 2014-2015 Cubs, maybe. We don't know. Maybe they'll trade Quintana for two young kids the Sox have. Maybe they need a controllable starting pitcher for, like, that Jimenez kid yeah. and the Cease guy. Yeah. I don't know. Give me Aaron Bummer. We'll talk some White Sox. Cubs-Sox weekend. The original Wake and Bake team together again for the first time on Saturday Suckage. Oh, I have to take attendance. I was going to take attendance of my, my Trader Joe's. Is Captain Richie? I hope he's here. He's the size of Stonehenge. He's one of the, he's the size of, he could take his thumb and forefinger and squeeze my head like a zit. And then there's Tai Chi, who knew about the reunion. And I said, how did you know? He goes, I listened to the station. I said, oh, man, what a sneaky way to go about it. Are you going to be there today? Yeah, no, I'm here today. I'm here with okay. you, the original reunion. I love you. I, you know what? Here it is. Steve, wow. I... I I look at me. 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 I'm the captain now. Look at me. Look at me. Telling that to Richie. Look at me, Richie. I'm the captain now. I love us. I love us. I love us. For one day. Is that a television show? I don't know. I don't know. Let's break. Bears. Because Lamont Pope won't love us. Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome in, welcome back. Reunion of the original Wake and Bake Club, right here. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage is upon us. And in this is kind of a new but sucktastic way. 
to go about presenting Saturday Suckage here on The Score. If we go to the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. So we have a guest joining us today who joined Mark Grody yesterday when Mark was sitting in for Lawrence Holmes. He's Lamont Pope of the Chicago Tribune. So this is day two of the Lamont Pope victory tour. I certainly hope you have questions for Lamont because I used mine all yesterday. How did you feel about my questions yesterday, Lamont? Were they, were they crisp and clean? They were excellent. <laughs> All right, Lamont, what questions didn't Mark ask that you want to get around to? Yeah, you have 15 minutes to fill. Three, two, one, go. go. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm ready for whatever you guys are willing to throw at me. All right, so Lucas Giolito, have we noticed, are we, are we watching body language and facial expressions and and anything more than him acting like, boy, didn't he look like the 10-year veteran in the dugout with Dylan Cease pointing stuff out, wearing his sunglasses? He was either that or the cooler old, older brother, and now he's facing the team that, that handed him his loss of the year. So what do we expect today, Lamont? Yeah, I mean, you know, from that first point, you know, it's just sort of speak to his confidence. It's been growing. It's been growing all season long, and you're able to see that once you know he's so much more comfortable. In the past, um, you know, last year when things sort of went south, uh, you know he's sort of sort of going south went south mentally. And, and this year, you know, when there's been like you know, if he's given up a home run or something of that nature, he's sort of just you know uh, shrugged it off and then went back to work. Uh, you know, obviously the Cubs outing, uh, you know. He struggled with command early on. Gave up the grand slam to uh, to Wilson Contreras, and so I, I think you know. But but back to his last outing there against Minnesota, he was crisp. He was sharp. He was on his game once again. Only the rain was you know, the rain was the only thing that slowed him on down. And so I think that he kind of got back on track in that Minnesota outing there on Sunday, and I expect him to kind of be that sharp again today. We're talking with Lamont Pope of the Chicago Tribune, talking White Sox here on the Score. It's possible. Lamont, that Robert, um, Luis Robert and uh, Nick Madrigal are due for potential um, promotions to AAA. I do see that happening. I think the question is, does either of those guys eventually get a taste of the big leagues this year, or do you let those guys cook a little bit longer and just get them into spring training next year? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the I mean, they're, they're just tearing it up uh, down in the minor leagues, you know, both now at Double uh, A Birmingham, uh, both going to participate in the Futures game on Sunday in Cleveland. Um, you know, the, yeah, I think they'll, they'll make that next step up to Triple A eventually. I don't know, you know, that's a good question as far as will they make that uh, rise to the majors this year? Or will they probably wait until uh, um, the start of spring training and, and give, give them that fresh look at the beginning of next season. Yeah, obviously the way that the Sox have sort of uh, handled uh, some of the pitchers in the past with, with both Kopech uh, and, and what we saw this year with Seas, it kind of kind of gives you a little bit of, a, of that map of that sort of game plan in which they've had. And so I, I would probably, I think, you know, I haven't really, you know, Rick Hahn hasn't uh, um, showed his hands in, in that regard, but I think if it was up to me, I think that they probably were going to wait a little bit and, and probably have them start off uh, next season. Lamont Pope is our guest, Chicago Tribune, talking White Sox, Cubs, White Sox, Gilito against Lester. And Dylan Cease, it was like, imagine if you had had, like, you got a five-time Cy Young Award winner. It would be like, 
when the Braves signed Maddox, and there he is, he's walking in. The treatment he got, <laughs> the expectation, the fans, and the fact that, I mean, he almost got through the first inning. Oh, two outs, and then, and, yeah. And then he went from maybe a 15-pitch first inning to 35 pitches yeah, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that 33. he rallied the way he rallied shows you something about him. What is this kid like when he's not on the mound? Because he looked stoic. He looked focused. He looked like a guy who knew what he needed to do, whether he could execute the pitches or not, was going to be a question. But he didn't really look rattled. How does this kid carry himself when we don't see him, Lamond? when you do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great point, Steve. And, I, you know, from that first inning, I, I thought that once he got those two strikes uh, on, on the third batter, yeah, I think maybe it got a little too amped up and wanting to get that punch out with the crowd staying on, 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 his, on the feet and everything else. And so the way that he was, and the way that he was able to bounce on back, that's the thing that impressed me most after giving up those two runs in the first inning. Um, and after the game, you know, we asked, well, was was it nerves? And he said, no, it really wasn't nerves. It was just more of the excitement. And so, that the, you know, he, he said that the mistakes with the fastball command that he had um, early on in the game dealt more with mechanics. And obviously when you, you mentioned talking to Giolito, you know, taking that advice from, from Lucas, uh, taking advice from uh, Cooper, taking advice from McCann uh, throughout the game, it, it really just shows that, you know, he was able to process that and then make those adjustments in the game, and he was able to have that success. And so, you know, like I said, you, you imagine that there would be some nerves making that major league debut, you know, walking in the, the crowd, uh, you know, lining up behind the bullpen to, to watch him warm on up before the game but he said really that really wasn't the case and, and the fact that he was just able to go on out there even after that, that, that kind of shaky first inning kind of settle on down and I think I thought it was really important to have that bounce back second inning with the two punch outs that sort of showed you that, you know kind of the moxie that this kid has yeah especially the the last punch out of that second inning where it's just a knee buckling curveball caught looking and then the other inning that impressed me in that game Lamond was the fifth inning, where it's if he gets through this inning, if Dylan Cease gets through the inning against the Tigers, then he's going to get the W by his name. He gives up mm-hmm. the two-out home run to Jamer Candelario and then gets the next guy. That, that showed me something, because I'm always into how does a pitcher, any pitcher, follow up a, a bad moment, um, and he passed that with flying colors. Very good point, Mark. I mean, you... You knew, we knew, everyone knew that that was going to be his final inning of work. He gives up a home run and then is able to come on back and get the punch out to, to end things. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good sign of, of a kid who, again, just sort of making those adjustments on the fly, you know, not shaking that off, shaking off that bad uh, that bad pitch. And, and uh, James McCann said after the game that, you know, it was one of those, when uh, the home run, it was one of those situations where the ball just kept going and going. It really wasn't like, it wasn't like he, he you know, hit the cover off the ball in that situation. The ball just kind of hit a little bit of a jet string and went on out. And so, so it really wasn't that bad of a pitch as far as what uh, James McCann was saying. And so you know, he was able to bounce on back from that home run and, and able to punch, get the final out to, to secure and eventually secure the victory. Well, I don't know if you heard or not, Lamont, but the ball is juiced, and that's why it carried and carried and carried. <laughs> and the wind is juiced, too. Yeah, the wind is juiced. Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the other conspiracy. It's God. So, Lamont, <laughs> is it fair to say that this was when Jose Abreu said, yes, definitely, I want to be here, that was the most emphatic he had been? Is that a fair, a fair characterization after that doubleheader sweep? Well, uh, talking to some of the other guys on the beat, you know, they said that he's he's, he's made his uh, feelings very clear throughout the season that he that he wants to be there. He wants to be here for the, for the uh, 
you know, for the next phase of this uh, Sox rebuild to see, you know, what, everything that's kind of grown on up to this point and, and pay on off. And so, uh, but, you know, the, the way that he was, he was able to con, uh, contribute in that doubleheader, two hits in both of those games, obviously the, the walk-off uh, rerun homer in, in the second game, and just the, the day-in and day-out production, uh, you know, as of yesterday, tied for first in RBIs, um, just, you know, a, a stable force in the, in the middle of that lineup and just someone that you kind of can, de- can depend on. Uh, but back to the question as far as just uh, being here long-term, it, it was kind of a funny moment, you know, uh, uh, when we asked about just, well, um, when, when he said, well, you know, if I were the owner, yeah, <laughs> I would sign me, I would sign me right away. Um, and so it, you know, it remains to be seen what, what direction the Sox want to go in, uh, if they want to keep a Brady here, uh, you know, long-term, but, but he definitely wants to stay and he definitely wants to, to be a part of this, uh, this, next, this next phase for the Sox. It's so funny because during the, the offseason when it was all about Manny Machado and there was this feeling of angst from Sox fans that, oh, nobody wants to come here, it's the Sox, and, and ultimately Manny does it. It was during that that you had Jose Abreu raising his hand and, and <laughs> saying, I, I want to be here. Yeah. I, I'd like to stay. Ooh, like ooh, ooh. like, and like every- was Horseshack on Welcome Back <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> ooh, ooh. And Sox fans are like, no, no, no. You gotta, I mean, you got to trade this guy. You got to get prospects. And, you know, it's like you have, you have this guy who appears to love being a Chicago White Sox, which I think is a very valuable asset. And I, let me ask you this. Do do you think Lamont that Rick Hahn has 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 noticed that and that maybe there will be and, and people think this isn't allowed maybe there is a little bit of sentimentality when it comes to Jose Abreu not to mention that he has immense talent but sentimentality from the from the GM and from the players in that clubhouse that maybe even though you might be able to get a haul for Abreu from a desperate contending team that it's really important that the Cubs or the Cubs the White Sox keep Jose Abreu at this point. Oh, I think that it's. I think Rick Hahn knows it. I know. I think uh, I know that Rick Renteria knows it. And you know the impact that he's been able to have on some of those younger players, the Mancatas, uh, the Eloy Jimenezes. You know, just just sort of. You know, uh, and he, he said that uh, on Wednesday night. You know, not only uh, you know does he feel that he, he has that responsibility to kind of uh, help those younger guys out, but he also said he's he's feeding off the energy that those guys have been providing uh, throughout the in the excitement those guys have added to the. To the ball club as well, and so it's sort of is working hand in hand. Um, and yeah, I definitely think that uh, uh, Rick Hahn notices, you know, that that he wants to be there. Um, and and uh, as far as the sentimental sentimental value, um, you know, obviously, you know, that can kind of always be a little bit of a tricky situation where it's like, well, uh, do you hold on to someone that? Uh, how long do you hold on to someone for those sentimental reasons, as opposed to making the making the move that might be you know, better for the club? And so, obviously, it's on a case by case basis. But in this situation, um, you know, the, the Sox have obviously been benefiting not only from from a Braves bat, but also what he's been able to, to bring to some of those younger guys as well. Lamont, thanks for joining us. Good luck on the beat. Thank you very much for taking the time on day two. So, who will you be on the score with tomorrow? Do you know? <laughs> As it continues. Any time, just, just just give me a call and I'll I'll be ready and, and willing to come on. <laughs> we'll pass that along. All right, thanks, Lamont. <laughs> thanks, guys. See you, man. Lamont Pope of the Chicago Tribune talking White Sox. Hey, a week ago, um, you were on. I think you were on the show, but it wasn't your show. But I, I found this. I found this on the Tweeter machine. Aha! Uh-huh. After we had done Saturday's show, that six twenty nine nineteen oh five. Archibald. Moonlight Graham plays his only major league game. Isn't that in that one movie? Ah, 
played for the New York Giants and 11-1 win over Brooklyn. He's an outfield replacement, neither bats nor makes fielding play, zeros across in the one game. He'll be featured in 1989 in that baseball movie, Field of Dreams. Ah, yes. But the date of the game will be changed because of poetic license. It'll be set in 1922. But it was actually 1905 last Saturday. Oh. Moonlight Graham. Wow, 1905. That is is beautiful. And you know what that is, too, 1905. That is three years before the Cubs won their last World Series, before they won the World Series in 2016. I think you just really screwed up the Wake and Bake Club with that kind of... (laughs) I did? Wow. Some kind of pretzel there. Wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, there's another anniversary from our good friend Dan Dorfman. Um, What did he send me? Oh, it's the... Oh, it's the, ni- the 1983 All-Star Oh, 50th anniversary of the All-Star Game, 1983, at, uh, at Comiskey Park or something. Can't be the 50th anniversary. <laughs> it can't. This is 2019, Oh, and you're talking 1983. I, don't, I became a writer because I thought there was no math involved. Yeah. I could figure that out. I'm, I'm going by the last digit. All right, Dorfman just yes. messed me up. All right, never mind. I'm All sorry. Right, before we ask, upon this, it seems fitting to do this on the uh, reunion of the original Wake and Bake Club. There's a Twitter account called I've Pet That Dog. It's adorable. It's really cute. Okay. It's a little girl who pets dogs and takes a picture, and she has a story about the dog. So this week's story fitting for this reunion, this is the, the, uh, the tweet. I pet Nigel. He's a five-year-old basset hound from California. Nigel eats everything. Once, on a walk, he ate an apple. Later, he didn't move for four hours and just stared. The vet found THC in his system and said the apple was likely used to smoke it. The vet said Nigel was okay, just really high. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) There's a basset hound. If you thought basset hounds could move even less than before, there you go. And by the way, I was reminded, this Cubs thing, this you know, they're like a game out. They could be in first place by the time the weekend's over. Uh, Maybe first place alone, depending on how things go. The, you remember the phrase our friend, our former announcer, Bob Renly, dropped on us that really... Run? That's a good one. Yeah. Run! Vortex of horse crap. Oh, yes. Yes. Right? That yes. goes back some. But it, the, the angst filling the lack of production, and then you look at the standings. I mean, the whole, the NL Central is the four teams, five five. Five teams, four games. It's really close. The Cubs are right there to do to have a Joe Madden second half the way we expect. But all that angst, that feeling of vortex of horse crap, and what are you? You're a weekend away from first place. Well, right. So, so Milwaukee has sucked as well. And, they, and, and, and check it out. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, two teams that I actually think all ultimately suck, think they're good now because <laughs> they, they are played the Cubs. right because they are they are considered the the lesser team. But now they're like and they're like hmm maybe like Cincinnati's like if we do some things here and we stay on this that we could take over and it's possible you know I mean it's mm-hmm. not completely out of the question. We've seen crazier things happen in in baseball. So yeah, I mean the Cubs and Milwaukee they have made everybody feel welcome. We're going to make everyone feel welcome by going off the radio for a moment. We'll take a break. When we come back, the cops 
Somebody called the cops on Christian Yelich. Really? Yeah, it's not serious though. Oh, it's really it's got. Was a it a noise? Was it a cute, barking dog? Or? Cute twist. So okay. we'll get back to that. And top of the hour in uh, the most sarcastic way, David Schuster will be here on the score. Chicago Sports Radio six seven need the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Okay, check me out. Check me out, man. Checking you out. Check me out. Check the me out. bottom of the... Oh! I'm some shady, yeah, I'm the real shady. All you other some shadies are just imitating fish. Uh, the bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football from the Northwestern Football Update Studio. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th-ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include the following. Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Single-game tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Right now it is Steve Rosenblum and Mark Rohde. It is a reunion of the WB Club here on a sat. Um, coming up today at Shy Sox Bar and Grill near Gate 5, celebrate the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel will broadcast inside the clubhouse live at 2 p.m. after the show until Cubs pregame with Zach Zayman at 540. It's all brought to you by Wintrust, presenting sponsor of the Wintrust Crosstown Series. And then tomorrow, manana, if you would like, come out to... Shy Sox Bar and Grill near Gate 5. Celebrate the Wintrust Crosstown Series. This time, Matt Spiegel, solo, will be broadcasting Hit and Run live at 9 a.m. until Cubs pregame with Zach Zayman at 12.35. Brought to you again by Wintrust, presenting sponsor, the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Very well done. Thank Professional you. broadcasting. That's what I do, man. Christian Yelich, the Milwaukee Brewers slugger, will be participating in the Home Run Derby, one of eight players. So he was practicing there in Pittsburgh. He brought in Pat Shine, the former Marlins coach, who will pitch to Yelich Monday in the Home Run Derby in Cleveland. Cute. So he's doing what you do in the Home Run Derby. You hit a ridiculous number of home runs, a ridiculous distance. One didn't just go into the Allegheny River behind stadium, but it broke a window of a houseboat. Oh. And the owner called the cops on Christian Oh, no. Yelich. Oh, my God. The owner called the cops. That's no charges great. were filed. So he knew it was Yelich? Or he just knew that she his boat was, had cracked? Said, wait, yeah. where did this yeah. come from? Was well, it baseball? We think we have an idea. And Ryan Bronze couldn't wait to walk around the clubhouse. That's how legends are made. He broke a window and a houseboat. That's fantastic. So did you know the 4th of July passed on Thursday? I did. And uh, former friend, former Cubs friend, Dexter Fowler. Did you, what was your relationship with, like, with uh, Dex? I had a good relationship with Dexter Fowler. How'd you find him? Is he a fun person, funny person, good guy to be around? Yeah, relatively. He was a pretty smiley guy, mm-hmm. fairly affable, pretty available. Yeah, I, put, I, I like dealing with uh, Dexter Fowler. The, one of the truest things I've ever seen tweeted and this would be it was be said it would be one of the truest things ever said. He tweeted out just a friendly Fourth of July reminder that absolutely no one is going to watch the video of your fireworks that you recorded on your phone. 
He's so right. So, the, speaking of the 4th of July, yeah. you know, baseball teams shoot off fireworks. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. There's a, there's a the team show. on the south side of our great, big, beautiful city that tends to do that. So, Florida minor league team, the Mets affiliate in, um, they t- uh, I'm sorry, at uh, St. Lucie, blew off fireworks and set fire on the other side of the fence. Fire! The pyrotechnics display consumed trees beyond the outfield wall at First Data Field in Port St. Lucie. This is not the first time that's happened. In 2017, they shot up fireworks and started a similar fire. Apparently, the Mets have a very vertical organization that everything stinks all the way down. <laughs> Can't shoot off fireworks. Do they talk like this, though? They're like, we're going to get some M-80s yeah. in here we, and we, have the New York thing going we go, on. We're going to do that. Um, Steve, you are yes. just, look at you, you're full of kickers today. I am. You're I just am. like. Just yucking it up. Yeah. That's what we do here. It's Saturday suckage. So I would think that that Mets uh, minor league affiliate, that certainly sucks. Speaking of suckage, uh, in the next hour, we'll talk to David Schuster and Chuck Swirsky, the Bulls broadcaster. He's in Vegas at the Summer League in Vegas where they felt an earthquake and Vegas where the news was uh, also heard about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going to the Clippers. And again, another move in the NBA that just pantses the Bulls, pantses them, just embarrasses them as a claustrophobically uncreative franchise. And Danny Parkins made the point in that one interview that, that um, interview that John Paxson got so angry about because Parkins asked him about, hey, the Clippers have their owner going to Raptors games, and why aren't you guys doing anything? Why don't you guys get out of the house once in a while and woo good players? Because really, no stars come here. You're like the worst free agent attraction ever. And Paxson got mad and said, well, is, isn't that tampering? Well, apparently not, because the Clippers now have Kawhi Leonard. And they have Paul George. Yeah. And they have a shot at an NBA title that it does not look like the Bulls will ever have again. The Bulls did get 21-10 and 10 from Daniel Gafford last night in a summer league game. And that's the last time you'll hear about Daniel Gafford. Well, no, you'll actually probably hear yeah, about yeah. him a lot in summer league. You yeah. just won't see him in games during the season. That's all. So we'll discuss that. And I had written something um, back when I was doing the writing about what the Bulls really needed to do in their front office. They didn't listen to me. But what? The Bull, I know. It's shocking. They don't listen to me. Jesus. They just think they're smarter than everybody else. And it turns out that the Yoda of the NBA has pulled off something else again. We'll discuss that in the next hour. We'll discuss that with Schuster. He, doesn't, he fears coming on now. He knows it's going to suck. He goes, and his, usually his opening line is, it's either I didn't see a movie or <laughs> are you going to yell at me about why they haven't fired John Paxson? <laughs> I, I also... No, I, I'm giving that up, David. It's not your fault. It's the fact that the sleepy Reinsdorfs have no clue. Check me out. I'm also going to bring up a former superstar, NBA superstar, who is on the move again that I want to ask David about. I can't wait. Yeah. There's a radio tease, There's, mister. We, we've got teases just blasting we off are. everywhere. We are. Teases and kickers right here. Oh, Saturday my God. Saturday suckers. you got everything except content.
<laughs> but that's why that's, we, that's coming up at we, two o'clock, right? Suck, With Spiegel yes. and Bruce. We suck, so you don't have to. Yeah. Chicago Sports Radio six seventy the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 